Hello and good evening and welcome to another episode of Religions, Regimes and Refugees. Their multicultural mess and secular scam. Thank you so much for joining me today, my friends. I hope you're having a great day, a great week. And it is good to be on the Monday. Um, it's amazing uh, that you join me every day. I am so honored by your support wherever you are in the world. Uh, yesterday's topic I talked about, uh, the conversation I have with uh, an Indian, uh, sorry, a Christian from Africa, okay, and other Christians who've been challenging the status quo, including uh, from the inside. And similarly, it is going on with uh, Muslims and all groups of all, people of all group ideologies, okay, whether it's any religion, ideological, political, uh, economic, we are challenging, we are questioning, and that is what life is. It's not about submission and not asking questions, uh, it is about challenging the status quo. And this is a difference, what they say, between a left-wing and a right-wing ideology. A, right, a left-wing ideology believes in submission. You submit, you do not question, you accept blindly. And that's what they call unbhakt. They, they point fingers at others calling you unbuck, but in reality, the three fingers are pointing back at them because they will show you only their point of view. They will show you only one side. They will show you only what makes them victims. And then they expect you to submit in silence. So no questioning, submit in silence, pretend that you're a victim, reign that ideology again and again, loop that ideology again and again. And it's what religions are about. All these feudal religions, are about the same thing. Submit in silence, accept what the establishment gives you, and at one point you become docile, become a slave, and then you go into physical and ideological, ideological and physical slavery. That's how slavery starts, with an ideological acceptance blindly of the rhetoric. On the right wing, um, you have a, a concept where you have to question everything, not just one side, but three 60 degrees. Your duty is to understand the currents that form the waves because you are cyclic. The earth's cyclic, the energy field is cyclic, the purush and the prakriti is cyclic. We are a cyclic, continuous movement uh, like currents and waves. So we're always churning, always evolving, always cleaning the dirt, taking out the garbage from the bottom. It's just like having a bath every day. And that's the right thing ideology. So <clears throat> Um, yesterday I talked about Christians asking questions, okay? And this is happening on the all sides. Um, and this is what they don't like, because all this time we have been real victims, not what's going on on the outside. What's on the outside is just one small percentage of what's going on the inside. On the inside, they suffocate us, they uh, shame us, they degrade us, um, they insult us, they chastise us, and they do not allow our voice to go out. And the moment our voice goes out, they will find any way to put you down. Um, and that's why the violence is on the inside, and that's why it's exploding. What's going on on the outside is just an extension of the violence on the inside. Now, uh, when I was having a conversation yesterday, I could not believe 
uh, listening to other people, although, although I know this and I've been talking about it, when you hear other people speak, you finally get to hear it from someone else and you say, oh my God, has it been really that bad? When you're in the cycle of violence, when you're in the cycle of uh, indoctrination, on the plantation, and you are in the center, epicenter of the issue, uh, of the problem, of the, of the subjugation, you don't even realize how far it's gone. But when you get out of it, all of a sudden you realize and you say, oh my God, was it really that bad? I can't believe it. And I finally got out of it. Um, and that's important. And I want to talk to you about who is responsible for this violence. The violence is not the people on the ground fighting each other. We are being indoctrinated. The real problem are these mullahs, these tullahs um, in the mosques, these priests in the, uh, priests in the churches, these ideologues, they are the problem. They are the ones who is indoctrinating us and using us as a mob. Where some people are saying, no, we are not interested in violence. Just like they told Mahatma Gandhi, we're not interested in taking part in the Khilafat movement. Not all Muslims took part. Not all Muslims took part in genocide. Okay? Not all Muslims took part... Um, in, in activities, in violent activities. Not all Christian takes part because we are not interested in the violence. It's the 10% on the ground, but when you take 200 million people and you take 10%, that's a lot of people. Uh, there will always be 10% on the ground of any group because we are cyclic. There's always a bottom. And that's part of the cycle. It is us who has to transition and understand that every cycle has a darkness where you have to transition. But who is using this darkness? It is the priests, the ideologues on in the ground. And that's who we have to attack. Um, I'm not talking attack physically or violently, but ideologically. These are the root of the problem. So you can put behind bars a bunch of people burning houses, uh, burning roofs, but killing people, killing throwing bombs, but unless you do not stop the mullahs and tullahs, unless you don't start putting them behind bars, unless you don't start putting the priests behind bars and taking away the ability to talk, unless you do, to indoctrinate people, not to talk. I am not against the talking. I am open for talking, but the indoctrination of people, that is the problem and the rhetoric the lies that they've been telling you. In the name of God, anything is okay. Um, they just indoctrinate you. And this indoctrination is the root of the problem. So unless we take away uh, that, it's not going to stop. This is a continuous cycle of violence. It is constant like the currents and the waves. And this is what, where we come in. The way we can stop this is by stop putting money into their cans, into their collection items, by stop putting money, giving them donations. That is how we stop, by stop going to their churches, their mosques, their dargahs, their uh, facilitating their economics, their halal, their crosses. Uh, that's how we can facilitate it. And the other way of facilitating it is by questioning the rhetoric. Uh, sorry, not facilitating this uh, ideology, this very corrosive ideology, is 
uh, questioning, 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 questioning. And they do not like the questions because they do not have the answer. So this is how yesterday's, um, you know, friendship, the dinner I had with people just happened to be a dinner with people who I didn't even know who was coming because I was invited. Um, and they were questioning things that I would not have talked about really. I'm like, wow. Here is something I will give you today on what I, I was, have been questioning for so long that Christians in India do not have the balls or the courage to question. Do not have the courage. Okay? There are people who question. Yes, there are. And they're beginning to. But not everyone. They're just a very small minority. So it is important that you repeat and you repeat and you repeat until they go and find their answers. They talk about 300 churches being burnt in Manipur. How many churches were burnt in Goa and all along the western, sorry, how many temples were burnt in Goa and all along the western coast of India by the Portuguese? How many? Okay, they won't even tell you. Thousands. They will not, after all these years, they will not take responsibility for that. They have no guts after 500 years to take responsibility. But they want you to cry responsibility for the 300 churches that have been burnt in Manipur, which were illegal, okay, allegedly illegal. Sorry, I'm going to use the word allegedly. They are allegedly illegal churches. Some may be illegal, some may be legal, we don't know. Immediately, all these Abrahamic groups are so egalitarian and so important that they, they need you to, they need your sympathy immediately. But the 300, the 500 years of churches, of temples being burnt in Goa and on the western coast of India, that they will not accept. They have no guts to even say it. No guts. I send people, uh, um, you know, email, not emails, uh, links for the Pope's apology to native Canadians in Canada and no reply back no reply but they have they have been oh look what's going on in Manipur that day there is immediate so take your responsibility and that's what we are beginning to question here's my questioning I'm going to give you my questioning for today I've talked about this before and I'm talking about it I'm going to bring it up again because it's important the Bon Jesus Church Basilica in Goa in uh, old Goa if you visited it if you have not visited it uh, go on Google and research it it's supposed to be a Christian church a Roman Catholic Church BS it's not a Roman Catholic Church okay it is actually a synagogue it's a synagogue probably built on a previous old temple also but it's a synagogue because in Goa there were a lot of Jews because it was a place for work it was a place for trade all along the western coast of India there were Jews uh, what they call Hebrews in those days from the time of Solomon and that's how you have so much of Dalit coming in because the concept of Dalit comes from Hebrews it's the fourth letter of the Hebrew of um, it's a fourth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. It means poor, poor in spirit and knowledge and poor, poor because you do not submit to the perfect ideology of Moses and Hashem, which is God of the Jews. So if you do not submit to their ideology, you are poor, poor 
of spirit and uh, spirituality in ancient Hebrew is called Dalit. And that's where you get the concept of Dalit. And that's how it's coming to the Western coast, through the Western coast. Okay. And all, and the Bon Jesus church was a synagogue. How do I know? A synagogue or a place of judgment or what we call a Bet Din. What is a Bet Din? Um, a Bet Din is a court. Okay, how do I know that? So next to the Bon Jesus Church uh, in Goa um, is an old church which is coming down called the Saint Augustine Church. Saint Augustine Church in Old Goa, very close by. And because it's coming down, there's not much left of it. Over time, the walls came down, but the plaster on the walls have coming down. And all of a sudden, they realized that behind this plaster is some uh, material that is used that's not native to this land. It's native to a land that's uh, from the interiors of Goa. So how did that material come here? Given the fact that when the Portuguese came, the place where they got, would have got the material for building the Bon Jesus Church was in Hindu territory. So they're not going to Hindu territory, territory under the Maharajas, to, to get stone to build a church. That means this was something, the San Augustine Church was there before. Okay. Um, not only that, they found uh, a mikwe over there. A mikwe is a spiritual bath for, for women. Now used for women, but I think in old days, there were also men that were using it. But a spiritual bath for women, that when they have their menstrual cycles, after their menstrual cycles, they have to go into the mikwe, clean themselves, and then get out of there. And then, and then they can go and have intercourse with their, their men, because until that, in Orthodox Judaism, if you have a woman has your mental cycles, you're considered unclean, and that unclean uh, meant you have to clean yourself once your menstrual cycles are over. So that's what it is. Uh, mikwe is what spiritual cleaning. Um, now, if there's a mikwe, and if for some reason, so if there's a mikwe, it means that there was a Jewish community here at one time. That community has disappeared. Okay, where is that community gone? If there's, a, if there's a community, there was a synagogue somewhere. And if there was a synagogue somewhere, there was a Bet Deen. A Bet Deen is a court of law. It's like a Sharia court. In, in uh, Arabic, in Islam, there's Sharia, is a, Sharia court is a court for law, uh, Islamic jurisprudence. In, in uh, Judaism, or uh, Jewish law, it is a Bet-Din. Bet-Din is actually a court, but it can be used in any building. So that building was probably used as a Bet-Din. Okay, now, it's a court. It was at one time used as a court, but that, um, it was then taken over by the Portuguese. And the Jews were persecuted and forced to convert to Christianity. And those who were suspected of being Hindus, or oh, sorry, of not following Christian theology, of not following Christianity, of not following, um, uh, going back to their original religion, was actually um, uh, not of, of going back to the original religion, was court martial. And they were court martial in the court of the Bed Dean, 
um, and uh, in the court and then hanged in the square or murdered or bro- uh, burnt in the square okay uh, in front of that bedin but in in latin which was a language of the portuguese church what is a court a court is a basilica so that bedin became a basilica a basilica is a court in roman times when the romans became christians those basilicas then became churches places of worship but that basilica was originally a court if you go to all the roman places roman places you search for basilica on google on youtube you will see they were once uh, courts in rome that so they named that court the Bedin would have become the Basilica, and that's why it's called the Basilica Saint-Jean-Jésus now. And of course, they made it a holy place. But at one time, they would have um, made a court-martial use that Bedin as the same place to kill the same Jews who visited, who lived around that area, that if they went back to their Judaism, they would, they would kill you. And they killed them and burned them in front of the same basilica and that courtyard which is in between the church of saint catherine the saint catherine uh, i think it's called uh, saint cathedral in front opposite the basilica of bon jesus in goa that in, in in between the saint cathedral and the bon jesus church was where the court martial and the genocide happened of the Jews, of the Hindus, of all those who went back to their religion. That is what it, that's what happened. Uh, my dear friends, uh, so that's not a church. That is a Roman, that is a Jewish synagogue. And what they did is they put supports on the outside. If you go to the Bon Jesus, you look on the outside, you look and then there are support beams. Why do you need support beams? The only reason why you need support beams is if there's a structure already standing. If there's a structure already standing, that means you need to support it, and then you can build on top of it. So they probably added another mezzanine floor, uh, and they added a floor or two to support an existing structure. Otherwise, your beams would be inside the building. Any church in Goa, okay, including the Sea Cathedral, if you see support beams on the outside, that means there was an existing structure. It's the same thing in Europe. If you go to Europe and you see the old basilicas, you see the old uh, churches, the cathedrals, if you see supports on the outside, means there was an existing uh, structure there before, a Roman structure, and was taken over, just like... uh, I think Bourges, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, I'm not mistaken, I think Notre Dame. Notre Dame also, there's a cathedral in Bourges. Many cathedrals in, um, in Spain, in Europe, they have supports on the outside. Very common um, a Gothic architecture, very common uh, late Gothic, post-Gothic architecture. Very, very common Gothic architecture. Um, and they think it's gothic, but it's a style. It's not a style. It's support beams for a structure that already existed. And that's important to understand. So there was a structure existing. They put the beams on the outside to support it, increase the height, and there we go. And that's why the Bon Jesus is not a church. Uh, it's, not, it's a bedding. Um, and that is exactly what it is. Now, what other clues are there? It took only 11 years to build. 
how can you build a structure in 11 years in Goa, considering that four months a year it's raining so heavily you can't do anything, which means you only have eight months a year to build. Eight months into 11, eight, eight 11s are 88, which is not even seven and a half years. Seven and a half years you are building uh, a church, a cathedral in, in, in Goa in uh, 500 years ago. No, I'm sorry. They didn't have the tools to build it in five hundred in eleven years. They didn't have the tools. How can you build a church, a huge basilica? That's because it was already a standing structure. Uh, even the church opposite the Saint Cathedral, it's a, it's a little bit bigger than than um, it's a little bit bigger than the basilica. But it it took sixty fifty seven years or sixty years. But the church in, in uh, the Bon Jesus took 11 years. How did that happen? Now, what are the clues that you have in Goa about this place being predominantly, uh, or a lot of Jews being here? Remember, um, in Goa, um, the, the Portuguese, sorry, the, um, the Hebrew uh, word I am, the suffix I am, it means Pural of, that means pural of something. What it is, we don't know. Okay, so it, you have names in, in uh, ending in I am, Panjim, Benaulim, Kandolim, uh, um, you know, all the names in Im. There are about 25 to 35 villages in Goa with names ending in I am. Check it out. Um, and because of that because there are 25 to 35 villages it's telling you that im is a plural of hebrew that means these are hebrew towns and villages were later converted to christianity a lot of people say well it's portuguese it's not portuguese but how did the portuguese get it because the portuguese also at one time were hebrews there were a lot of hebrews who were forcibly converted into Portuguese and a lot of the Portuguese language, 20% of the Portuguese language comes from Hebrew, my friends. And I am is a plural uh, of something. So panjim means plural of something, of something that's punch. Punch, panaji, punch, uh, panjim. It used to be called panjim before. Punch means five. Five is a plural of something. We don't know what, but it's a plural of something. So that's the Jewish heritage of Goa. Um, and in that cathedral, in, in between the basilica and the Saint Cathedral, was the place of the genocide where our ancestors, my ancestors, were murdered and put to death. And it's time we stand up and have the courage to question that. As everyone is questioning, uh, just like we're questioning the Manipur violence, we have finally come to the, to the conclusion that the church is supporting drug cartels, uh, in, in Manipur, in the northeast, they're supporting, supported by the missionaries. They're using the drug cartels for money and for slowly killing the Indians with drugs. Um, they, they are fiefdoms, they're not the church. They're using religion as a front. Um, and they're destroying the Indian subcontinent with drugs, just like they destroy China. For those who don't know, China was under drug habit, opium addiction because the British were selling drugs to China. It was only Mao Zedong who got it out with his socialist, communist, whatever. 
And that's why one of the reasons they don't like the socialism and, and, and communism. Now, I'm not for it, but one of the reasons they won't say that it, it took place was because China uh, was addicted to drugs. And it was Mao Zedong and his Communist Party that finally got it out, got China out of the addiction of drugs. And they had put, China was at the bottom of the ladder. And they know that Modi is doing the same thing. He is getting India out of the addiction of drugs. He's stopping the drug cartels. And so they are using religion as a, as a, as a way to divide. Oh. Uh, play the divide and rule, be corrosive, destroy the country from the inside because they want at all costs to take over the Indian subcontinent. That is the ultimate goal. Destroy the Vedic civilization and the one person standing in their way is Modi. Um, and so their tool against him, their tool to put him down is to divert the attention to stop him from stopping the drugs, to stop him uh, from uh, stopping the colon colonial hangover and the colonization 2.0 of the Indian subcontinent by burning it to the ground, burning everything to the ground until they destroy us or we convert. Until we convert, they will make, they will starve us to death. But you can stand up by questioning the rhetoric on the inside, questioning every mullah, tullah, by questioning the padres, questioning these ideologues who are actually the, the root cause of the problem, uh, not the people on the outside. Question their authority, their lies, their fake stories. And once you start questioning, then they don't have the answers. And this is how we join the movement in rising up the Indian civilization, healing, healing from the drugs that the ideologies that have divided us, that have made us weak from the inside, and all of us. This does not have a label. This has, these are currents and waves. It's, it has to clean. We're all human. Whatever the label on the top, the only way we can stop the violence is to heal from the inside. And that is done by, by questioning the rhetoric to all these mullahs, tullahs, to all these goons, these mafias, these jihadis, these padres. Question them. And I guarantee you, we will heal. On that note, um, I wish you peace. I wish you a good healing. I wish you strength, and yes, we can be better, and the sun will rise one day. Thank you very much for your time. Cheers, and stay safe.